Hi, welcome to Speaking of Sex with the Pleasure Mechanics. This is Chris from PleasureMechanics.com, and this is just a quick intro to this episode to let you know the audio quality on this podcast episode is not perfect. We are in the middle of switching up new computers, new microphones, new software. Next week, we are bringing in an audio engineer to help us optimize our little home studio here. And big thanks to our patrons over at patreon.com slash pleasure mechanics for helping us make that possible. So I played around with the settings as much as I could after we recorded this episode, but just know we are aware there's a bit of an echo in this episode. I hope it is still friendly for your ear holes, and we will keep optimizing this over time. So thank you for your patience. We love you. We want to bring you the best audio quality possible, and we are working on it. All right, so here is our first episode of 2019 here on Speaking of Sex with the Pleasure Mechanics. Cheers. Hi, welcome to Speaking of Sex with the Pleasure Mechanics. I'm Chris. I'm Charlotte. We are the Pleasure Mechanics, and on this podcast, we have soulful yet explicit conversations about every facet of human sexuality. Come on over to PleasureMechanics.com, where you will find our complete podcast archive, and go to PleasureMechanics.com slash free to sign up for our free online course, so you can start laying the foundation for a happier, healthier sex life in this new year. Happy New Year! Happy New Year! (laughs) We are recording this in the very first days of January after a long family holiday. It was both delightful to rest and giggle and make crafts around the tree, and we've missed you. What did I say yesterday? I was like, my brain is so pent up, I need to get back to work. I think the actual quote was, all this idleness is torture. All this she, idleness is torture. She was really wanting to create for I you guess guys. I like my job. <laughs> <laughs> so we are back. We are on a new computer we're recording into. We have still yet to get our new microphone set up, but we are working on it. And we are charging into this new year. We are so excited about so many projects we have brewing, but also just to continue this good thing we have going. (laughs) We have a global community of several thousand, 10,000 listeners strong who all care about love, about pleasure, about intimacy, about exploring what is possible in their human bodies and in their relationships. And we are all here together. So thank you for being here. Welcome to 2019. We persist. It's true. Every time we get an email from you guys, I am just astounded at the quality of humans we have surrounded here listening. Mm -hmm. It's amazing how thoughtful and kind and respectful and heartful you guys are. Like, Mm -hmm. it's a very particular group of people that are Mm -hmm. listening. It's really amazing. And there are times I wish we could all just be in a stadium together and be hugging one another and feasting together. Um, But for now, I just invite you to remember that you're part of a wider community. And that matters. It matters that there are so many of us asking these questions, engaging in these practices together, expanding the ways we love and experience sexuality. So thank you for listening. And here we go into a new year together. 
If you love the show and want to support the work we do and help us keep going, please come over to patreon.com slash pleasure mechanics. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N patreon.com slash pleasure mechanics and sign up for a monthly pledge for as little as a dollar a month, $5 a month. You can really help support this show, help us grow and be a part of our community. Ask questions directly to our inbox, engage with one another, get ad free versions of this podcast, bonus episodes, and so much more. That's at patreon.com slash pleasure mechanics. Okay, today on the show, we are going to be talking about the seven verbs of love, the seven verbs of love. So we often say that love is a verb, right? That's kind of thrown around. It's on Hallmark cards, this idea that love is an action, but sometimes that can feel quite vague. So this framework comes to us from Esther Perel, who is an internationally acclaimed sex therapist and writer. We've had her on the show before, and we'll put the link to the interview with her in the show notes to this podcast. But Esther Perel offers this framework. It is not the truth. These are not the seven verbs of love. This is one idea that we will explore together. And then I actually came up with a few other verbs that I like to add. (laughs) And then you can think about what verbs are important to you. Um, And so the seven verbs of love. And Esther Perel kind of offers this as a framework talking about what are the actions that make up the daily work of being in a loving relationship. So maybe, Charlotte, why don't you get us started by reading the list of seven kind of slowly. Let's pause after each one. And as you listen to these, first just take them in, and then we'll explore each one in a little detail and how these kind of work to frame our thoughts around what it means to love to love as a verb as an action but also notice as i'm saying them which ones you feel like oh i really do that already and i i have that mastered to some extent and which ones feel like oh i really could work on that a little bit so just notice for yourself what feels familiar and what feels like a stretch Mm -hmm. all right to ask to take to receive to give to share, to refuse, to play. Okay, one more time, a little faster. To ask, to take, to receive, to give, to share, to refuse, to play. Okay. Interesting, right? So let's go into these in a little bit more detail and tease out some of the differences. Because when I looked at this list, you know, I was thinking, what's the difference between receive and take? And as we start investigating these differences, the differences are actually quite important and challenge us in important ways. So as Charlotte said, notice what feels easy, like, oh, I do that all the time. That's so much how I love. And what feels a little foreign to you or a little more difficult. And Esther Perel really frames this as these verbs are present in our childhood, in the loving relationship we have with our parents, with our family. And depending on how you were raised, we were taught different things about these verbs, about these actions. We were modeled different 
forms of these actions. So what did you learn about love from your family unit? And for some of us, that is a really beautiful, generous well of loving memories. And you were trained in what it felt like to be loved and to feel safe. I'm looking at you, Charlotte. (laughs) (laughs) And for some of us, myself included, my early childhood was challenging and scary and violent and not safe. And so what did I learn about love through those early relationships, through that first attachment to our parents, to our caregivers? And Esther Perel kind of looks at how we learned about love as children, really influencing how we love as adults. Um, But of course, this isn't static. We can all learn how to love better. We can all undo unhealthy patterns we have absorbed. We can all stretch ourselves in the areas that we need to stretch in order to be happier, healthier beings. Okay, so we're going to dig through each of these verbs with a little more detail and compare and contrast a few along the way. So first, let's look at this pair giving and receiving to give to receive. We talk a lot about this idea pleasure mechanics in terms of touch and massage, and how important it is to take turns giving and receiving so you can really focus on those roles. So zooming out of the bedroom and into the realm of love as a whole, what are some of the ways we give and receive as acts of love? We give our time, our attention, our focus, our presence. We also give gifts, compliments. Right, so this giving and receiving, we can think about the material things quite easily, right? What do you give at Christmas? You give a gift, you wrap it up under the tree, you receive that gift. But really in love, the daily gift is time, attention, focus, presence, as you said. And I think that's what the heart of what we crave in love is, is that presence of another human being in our lives who are paying attention to us in a daily way or in an ongoing way. Um, and that, I think, is kind of the core here of love, of that belonging with another person, that sense of giving and receiving as a mutual flow Um, What we need to pay attention here is how do you feel giving versus receiving? So you can think about this in terms of conversation, in terms of touch, in terms of oral sex, um, and go through all these different realms and notice if you are giving, what emotional experience does that create for you? How does that make you feel to give to someone you love? Give your time, give your presence, Um, give an act of service. So running an errand for someone is an act of giving. Cooking a meal, cleaning up after a meal. So how does that feel in your body to give? And really evaluate that for yourself. What have you learned about giving? And then now think about receiving. What have you learned about receiving? And is receiving attention? Is receiving oral sex? Is receiving a foot massage after a hard day? easy for you? For a lot of us, it is not. For a lot of us, giving is much easier than receiving. Um, And there's a lot of kind of cultural stuff around this about what we're taught about receiving, what we're taught we're worth, what we're taught we deserve. So really investigate this idea of receiving for yourself, because I think that the stopping point, the bottleneck in a lot of love relationships is the ability to receive. We all have so much to give. 
And when we give authentically in the spirit of love, it feels so good. You know, it feels so good to show up for someone you love and give them what they need or want. And so if we are unable to receive, we are denying the people in our lives that opportunity to give to us. We are stopping that flow. We are stopping that exchange. And this limits how much love we can generate together. And I could go on for hours about how I have learned to receive with Charlotte's love beaming at me. Um, but for a lot of people, receiving is the stopping point. So if that feels true to you, then we need to learn how to receive. We need to learn how to receive that gift graciously and complete that cycle so it can begin again, right? You need to receive and be grateful and soak it in and then give from that place, mm. right? So this giving and receiving, I think, is a huge theme in love. Let's go on to some of the others. So I saw on Esther Perel's list, right? There's receive and then to take. And this one kind of flared me a little bit. I was like, well, they're the same. Why'd she include it twice? And then I thought about it for a minute. So what is the difference between receive and take? I think of receiving as being open and somebody is willingly giving. And to take is to reach over and take what is yours, you believe, or what you need. It is not asking permission. It is not waiting to be given to. Mm -hmm. It is wanting, desiring, needing, demanding, and requiring. What comes up for you emotionally in that? Your eyes just got a little bigger. Like you look <laughs> different than when you were talking about receiving. So it is. I think you nailed it. It's about the active, the agency. Um, no one gives you permission to take. Yeah. You take what you need. You take what you want. You take and, what you think you deserve also. So why is this challenging for us? Why is there like an edge of, ooh, yeah. and how does this relate to love? I feel like I am in this early motherhood stage. And for me, the biggest thing has been about taking time for myself. Mm -hmm. um, and I have a lot of feelings about that, as many women do. Um, it feels very challenging to really take time when there's so many other things to attend to. Uh, we have a lot of stories about it being selfish, about it being irresponsible. But um, it's also needed in order to have something more to give. So that was where my mind was going. How do we, how do we, how do we justify or allow or give space for us to take what we actually need so that we can be sustained and keep the flow of love going? Okay, so to take what you need to take what you need. Because if you waited around for someone to give you permission and to hand you 20 minutes of solo time and so you could receive that, that doesn't happen daily. And within our relationship, I do try to give you acts of service so you can receive more spacious time. Which, but, by the way, was incredibly important at the beginning before I learned that I needed to take it for myself. Okay, so, so what? So in taking, I think... There is, um, we often think about taking as if we take someone else can't have, therefore mm. it is selfish. Mm. We think about taking as a scarcity thing. I take it, you don't have it, it's mine. There's a greediness to it. Um, and there's a entitlement to it, I take it. It's a bit of a harsher word, but if we look underneath, if we take what we need and we give ourselves what we need, then we are more self-sustained. Yeah. 
right? So this is taking time, taking a breath, taking a moment, taking your vitamins, (laughs) right? Taking in the food that nourishes you. Like what are you actively reaching out into the world, claiming as yours and putting into your body, into your life, so you are better for it? Right. And if we frame it that way, does it feel selfish anymore? Does it feel selfish? And, you know, we've hinted a little bit that we've been spending a little bit of time at the Buddhist monastery and I'm starting to study Buddhism and falling in love with it a bit. But one of the things they do is they chant before their meals. And part of that chant is acknowledging that the food they're taking in is so that they may serve. And this really reframes the act of eating, right? We can be grateful for the farmers, but we also have to acknowledge why are we putting this food in our body? Why do we deserve to eat and take life from other beings in order to keep on going? And so for me, at the bottom of this is a sense of self-worth and a sense of importance and that I am important in this equation. Therefore, I need to take from the world what my body, what my being, what my soul needs in order to keep going. And when I don't, if I deplete myself, if I am not nourishing myself in all of these ways, there is less of me to give. And if I am valuable, if I am valuable in this family, in this relationship, in this business, in this world, in this community of friends, if I matter, then I need to take in order to keep going. So really take that in, (laughs) Um, take that in and notice what you're willing to take and what are you needing? What are you longing for that you're waiting for someone to give you permission to receive? And can you just take it instead? Wow. Let's go with another challenging one to refuse, to refuse. How is refusal a verb of love? When we refuse and when we say no to many things, then we create more space for what we do want. And it's essential. It is so boundaried so that we are honoring and nourishing what we are saying yes to. So that was an important word you use, boundaries. Yeah. Refusing is about setting boundaries. It is about saying what is and what is not within the realm of this loving relationship. Um, Refusal is not rejection. And we've talked a little bit before about how to shift sexual rejection into sexual refusal, saying, no, I'm not up for that versus no, I don't want you. Mm -hmm. Refusing, as you said, means creating a boundary of what is not here and what is here, what is allowed, what's not allowed. So some of the things we refuse are poor behavior. And how do you do that? How do you refuse poor behavior, other of yourselves or of your partners or your kids? How do we say no to something as a part of love and make that loving? Right. And sometimes this isn't as clear as like, no, that's not okay here. It's a flaring. It's like if a pattern, say your husband is going to the bar every day after work with his colleagues and not coming home till late and you're not getting time and this pattern goes on and on and on, at some point you are going to refuse that pattern or resentment's going to build up, right? So refusal in that case might mean in a really loving way saying, I get socializing with your coworkers is important for your job, I feel like I need you at home a little more in the evenings. Can we move it to two nights a week instead of four nights a week? 
How do we refuse patterns of behavior that are here to sabotage our love? How do we refuse patterns of behavior, especially those that we learned from unhealthy relationships and make space for what will take their place? Refusal can feel again like take, it can feel charged and it can feel negative. But what have you recently refused? What is the last thing you said no to? In your relationship, in your life, at your job, a lot of us don't feel permission to say no. And if you have never had permission to say no, you are not empowered to say yes. This is one of the basic lessons coming out of all the consent conversations that have been happening culturally over the past couple years. If you are not able to say no, you are not empowered to say yes. And so notice the places in your love relationship, in your life as a whole, where you are able to say no and where you feel powerless to say no. And how do you empower yourself to refuse that which does not serve? Another point of contemplation. And then we'll end with two of the more fun ones, I think, share and play. So to share, how is this different than give and receive? And when our daughter was in here this morning, she was kind of puttering around before we were recording and I was trying to work and getting a little annoyed, but she really wanted my attention. And so I opened this conversation to her and I said, what is the difference between sharing and giving? And she was like, oh, easy. When you give someone a toy, you let them play with it. When you share something, you play with it together. Great. Perfect. Brilliant. (laughs) So sharing is about that togetherness. It's about not so much the exchange. I give you this. I take this. We receive. We give. The back and forth. But the sharing, the togetherness. What are you in together? What do you share? And it's easy to say, oh, we share a life. We share a home. We share a last name. We share wedding rings. Whatever, what have you shared? But what do you share on an ongoing basis? And a lot of this is just sinking into those micro moments of pleasure together and sharing the pleasure of life. So noticing if you are in the beautiful evening twilight light together, you can share that moment of pleasure if you stop and sink it in and like notice it together and talk about it and have a kiss under that beautiful twilight. You are sharing that moment. You are both there together present, sharing in a crystallized moment of life. And so much of family is about that, is about slowing down to notice what you are sharing. Sharing is also about sharing our sorrows and our pain and our struggles and our fear and letting someone in on that. And so much of when we talk about intimacy, it's about sharing those parts of yourself. You don't share with people in the everyday life. You don't share with even your best friends sharing the parts of yourself that feel scariest to share and hoping that the person you love will love you anyway. Getting over that shame that says, if I share this part of me, I will not be worthy of your love. When we share those parts of ourselves that feel unshareable, it is transformative. It reminds us that we are lovable and worthy just as we are. And this might be sharing something you've been through in the past. It might be sharing parts of your personality you're not that proud of. It might be sharing your fears. It might be sharing a fetish that you are really scared of saying out loud. 
And when you get the boldness to share it and your partner says, that's okay, that's kind of neat actually, right? If they have a response that they can share that with you, even if you're not going to go on and explore it together, but it is a shared part of you now, more of you can show up and more of you feels available and worthy and shared. Seen. Yeah. So this sharing of life, you know, if this image of a child giving a toy versus sharing a toy, when we partner up in life, we are choosing to share life. And that includes the highs and the lows. And, um, but it also means sharing something internal. Sharing of yourself, allowing yourself to be really seen and being vulnerable, being, and that is being intimate without that you're holding withholding part of yourself and there's only a certain level of intimacy you can experience yeah because if yeah and sometimes we have these conversations i'll be like all right this one's in the vault and what i mean by that is i'm going to say something that i'm trusting you charlotte to hold within the sanctity of our relationship but it is not something I would share with just anyone. Mm -hmm. And when I say those things out loud, and sometimes that's kind of like, maybe it's a judgment about someone in the world, or maybe it's a fear, or maybe it's a confession. Um, when I share those things in the vault and you reflect back to me what you hear and we can dialogue about it, it no longer feels caged because mm. I've externalized it. I have said it out loud. Another human being has seen me. And even if you don't agree, you can still love me after that has been let out. And so what in you, what in your soul has not been shared, has not been witnessed and sat with by another human being? And this doesn't even have to be a romantic primary partner. Sometimes you guys email me. And by the time I email you back, you have said, just sharing that, I feel so much better. Mm. Because you wrote to me a story you have never shared with another human being based on this trust we've built through this podcast. And I've written you back, like, this is really common, or you're not alone in this. Um, and in that sharing, you have relieved some internal pressure, and we have exchanged an act of love, right? So what are you willing to share with whom under what conditions, really investigate this idea of sharing. Mm. And sharing space, sharing joy, sharing sorrow, but then also sharing those deepest parts of yourself that feel unshareable. Cool. Play. To play, to create, to imagine. Play is the realm of the erotic, right? This is the realm where we get to be in enjoyment together. We get to play. We get to have fun, right? So it's all of those, those verbs of what do you do for play together? What do you do for fun? Is it movies? Is it opera? Is it fishing, bird watching? Like, what do you do for play together out in the world? What do you do for play together in bed or on the kitchen island, wherever you want to be? Like, how do you erotically play together? And if you think about sex as play, what does that change in your perceptions of eroticism? Um, but then also, what do you create together? What are you imagining? What, how do you exchange ideas and concepts that are beyond reality? And so this might be imagining a move or a career transition. How do you play in the realm of the imagination together as an act of love? 
getting playful. And again, we did an episode on playful sex. I'll put that link in the show notes. It is such a big part of having more fun in the sexual realm. I think play is central to that. But play is also really important in just staying creative and flexible in your daily life. So again, micro moment from our history, um, we were going through a really stressful move at one point. It was before the kid, we had kind of a time crunch. We had like 24 hours to empty our home. It was just, it was stressful. And so all of a sudden we just made it into a musical. We started singing everything and kind of creating these grand operatic songs about here's another box, and like just singing ourselves through the move. And I think looking back by making that playful, we survived something that otherwise could have, I mean, we would have survived it, but it changed it. And then we've used that strategy in different times. Like when we're feeling really stressed, one of us will just make up a silly song. And so we use play as a strategy to elevate the mood, to shift the mood, to remind ourselves when things aren't that serious and to come back to a sense of joy and pleasure together. So we use play to change our mood sometimes. Uh, We dance sometimes from this place if we're getting in a bit of a like heated argument or something we sometimes play through dancing or movement or taking a walk just to get our bodies moving and that sense of freedom in our bodies changes the conversation so true so true or one of my favorites was we were in mid-argument and one of us put on a pair of goggles Mm. and came around the corner and you just really cannot have an argument when somebody is wearing a pair of goggles it is just ridiculous um and that really helped that really helped so it was playful and it dissolved tension mm-hmm. um so how do you use play in and out of the bedroom physical play emotional play humor um and just on the scientific level play humor releases dopamine and dopamine is one of the most important hormones for love and bonding And so anytime we play together, anytime we laugh together, and this can be as simple as turning on a stand-up comedy show and laugh together and bring that energy into your relationship. It can be as simple as that. Yeah. But I think shifting in the bedroom um, our sex from performance to play is why it's so important because we can get into these scripts and we can get focused on what we should do and how it's supposed to go. And so when we when we take it out of that realm and into more of an improvisation, allow space for artistry and joy and presence and playfulness, it becomes a completely different experience. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're looking for. That's mm-hmm. what we're we're looking for it to be a bit more um, for us to be more present. Mm-hmm. And that's, a, that's an access point. All right. So those are the seven verbs. Think about how these relate to your love life. What are the verbs you feel really strong in? What are the verbs that feel more challenging to you? Um, you can do this inventory, again, within your own relationship, within your broader family relationships, and even just within yourself. How do you walk in the world with these seven verbs? And then as I was looking at this, I was thinking to myself, is there anything I would add, right? What are other verbs that feel central to love? Does anything come up for you right away, Shar? I am obsessed with the word nourish, Mm. which I think is to tend, to care for. It's a little bit different than give. Articulating how is interesting. Well, nourish, I think it means feed, right? It means 
giving, you know, if we think about nourishing the soil or nourishing, it's giving that which is lacking so it may thrive. Mm. Um, so it might be a kind of a subset of giving, right? It's a focused giving. An intentional. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. To nourish. <laughs> Another verb we really focus on in our relationship is to create. And really thinking about a relationship, yes, it's about not being alone in this world, right? And a lot of these love verbs we've talked about are about sharing life, feeling not alone, feeling seen, that belonging part of love that is so important to us as social animals. And most scientists would say that love and sexuality is really about belonging and kinship as much as it is about reproduction. I kind of just made that up, but I think scientists would agree with me. I don't know. (laughs) Um, As social animals, we need to belong. And we belong when we exchange this kind of love. It's what love really is, is that sense of belonging. Um, But for me, beyond belonging, primary relationships, committed, long-term, devoted relationships are also about creation. It's about looking into the future together and saying, what life are we building together and how are we going to do that? Getting into a relaxed, visionary state together and thinking out five or 10 years, what kind of life are you wanting to create together? And then what will be necessary to get there? and reverse engineering it and laying out the steps and then holding one another accountable to that. So you have a set goal together. You have something you're creating. So creation, I think, is central to love. Um, Yeah, so to create. And I think that could go in play and share, mm-hmm. you know, however nuanced these words are, but that idea is, is essential to explore. Mm. In, our, in our wedding vows, we did three words, three verbs um, to sum up our vows to each other. And those were support, cherish, and adventure. Support, cherish, and adventure. And those felt really specific to the qualities we wanted to bring to each other and felt more specific than, yeah, I'll love you forever. Okay, what does that mean? And adventure is, again, that sense of we don't know what's going to come. We are going to change together. We are going to allow the forces of change to move us and still continue to love one another through that. Um, And that has served us well, I think. Yeah. Yeah, but it was a way of making love more specific for us. So as you listen to this, think about what could make love more specific for you. When you think about how you want to love and how you want to be loved, what verb would make that more specific for you? And you can choose from our list. You can think of another verb. Maybe a verb has come to you just in listening to this. Um, If you want to email me with your verb, I would love to hear them. And even again, that sharing, that externalizing it and putting it in an email, hitting the send button and having me read it counts. It counts. It creates accountability and it puts it out in the world. So send me your verbs. Um, Charlotte, do you have one that you're going to focus on? I am going to focus on take. All right. Yes. I'm going to take space to make art. I'm going to take space for my body. I'm going to take space to read. Yes, yes, I'm taking. (laughs) All right. You have been giving. I am really good at giving. (laughs) Um, What am I going to focus on? Hmm. I think I'm going to focus on share. Hmm. I feel like you share so much. What does that mean to you? 
but I feel, (laughs) I'm going to cry. I feel so much right now in a state of belonging in the world, in a state of connection. And so much of that, dear podcast listeners, is with you all. I walk through my days feeling connected to you guys. I get emails from you. You are in my awareness. Many of your stories I carry with me and I think about you. And I want to share the connection we have here and the the energy of this podcast and of our work with the broader world. And so one of the things I've been focusing on is like my interactions with strangers and making those as loving as possible and sharing those moments, sharing those tiny crystallized moments of human beings together. Um, So even if that's just a cashier exchange, making that as real and personal and authentic and loving as possible. Um, and that's been feeling really good to kind of generate that sharing energy of sharing moments with people throughout the day. So I'm going to share. Hmm. All right. So think about what verb you want to bring forward in your loving. And it might be different in terms of how you love versus how you want to be loved in this coming season. Um, so allow yourself to have two different verbs if that makes sense to you. Be in touch with us. Come on over to pleasuremechanics.com where you will find our complete podcast archive. Um, One of the tidbits of survey results from our amazing podcast listener survey. And again, thank you to everyone who participated in that. Congratulations to the winners of the toy box and the all access passes. One of the pieces of feedback from that survey was about the overwhelm of 300 and some episodes and how many episodes there are to sort through, especially if you are a new listener to this podcast. And so I just want to draw your attention to the sex index on our site at the top navigation. You'll see something that says index. And this is where I have every page of our site, all of the podcasts sorted by topic and it's alphabetical. And so you can skim through, click on the words that interest you, the topics that you are struggling with and go directly to all of the resources about that topic. Um, I did this. Yeah, I did this for you to help you navigate the site. Let me know if it's useful. Let me know how we can sort through better. We will be making kind of a top 10 list of podcast episodes. Um, But through your survey feedback, through our conversations, we're always trying to serve you better, to give (laughs) you more um, as an act of love, because we love you. We are so grateful for you listening and for being in this dialogue with us. And to support this show, please come over to patreon.com slash pleasure mechanics, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash pleasure mechanics, and sign up for a sustaining monthly pledge. As little as a dollar a month makes a huge difference. And just to give you the numbers, out of the five to 10,000 listeners every episode gets within the first week or so, We have 125 patrons, 125 of you have stepped forward and said, have a dollar or $3 or $25 a month to keep this show going. And so you can see the power of numbers there. If more of you stepped forward, it would really make a difference for us and allow us to have a sustainable income so we can move forward with this work. Will you support us? Will you give (laughs) to us for that which you receive? If so, come over to patreon.com slash pleasure mechanics.
and show us some love. All right, I'm Chris. I'm Charlotte. We are the Pleasure Mechanics. Wishing you a lifetime of pleasure.